I'm Elizabeth Slattery, and welcome to SCOTUS 101, where we break down what's happening at the Supreme Court, what the justices are up to, and other things related to our favorite branch of government. Happy Thanksgiving, SCOTUS 101 listeners. This week, we have something very special in store, but first, there are a few SCOTUS headlines that I want to hit. First up, Sonia Sotomayor says that Brett Kavanaugh is part of the SCOTUS family now. In an interview with David Axelrod of CNN, she said, The nine of us are a family. And we all have our own burdens and our own obligations to each other, but this is our work family, and it's just as important as our personal families. It's nice to hear that Justice Kavanaugh has received such a warm welcome from his new colleagues. The court granted cert in a couple of cases uh, last week, including In Re Department of Commerce. This is a dispute arising out of a challenge to the Trump administration's decision to include a question about citizenship on the 2020 census form. One of the biggest issues is whether Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross can be deposed. The oral argument will take place on February 19th. And then finally, the dispute over President Trump's ability to select Matthew Whitaker as the acting attorney general has reached the Supreme Court. The challenge comes in an ongoing lawsuit over the constitutionality of the federal ban on possession of firearms by convicted felons. Barry Michaels, who is a convicted felon, uh, filed a cert petition in his challenge to the federal ban. And last week, he filed a motion to substitute Rod Rosenstein for Jeff Sessions in the case, arguing that Whitaker's appointment violates Article 2 of the Constitution. A spokesperson for DOJ says Trump's designation of Whitaker complies with the Constitution and federal law, and there are more than 160 instances throughout American history of non-Senate-confirmed people temporarily performing the duties of a Senate-confirmed position. With that business out of the way, now for the special part of this episode. In September, the Heritage Foundation and the National Constitution Center partnered to host a two-team Supreme Trivia competition. Team Madison and Team Jefferson went head-to-head in a lively competition. Since it was a live event, the audio is not perfect, so turn up your volume and enjoy. Good evening. I'm Elizabeth Slattery, and welcome to the Heritage Foundation. On behalf of Heritage and the National Constitution Center, thank you for coming to our Supreme Trivia event. We can hear one of our teams out there. They'll be uh, coming out in just a minute. So we have two teams tonight of top Supreme Court litigators who are ready to go head-to-head in rounds of trivia about the Supreme Court's history, scandals, and much more. Before we introduce the teams, I'd like to introduce my co-host for the evening, here representing the National Constitution Center, Sheldon Gilbert. Thank you. So thanks for being here. And welcome to basically Super Bowl for Law Nerds. So we're very excited. Um, We're going to kick things off by introducing the teams. Uh, It's my privilege to introduce Team Jefferson. Uh, So with Team Jefferson first. (laughs) The heckling has already started. Come on out, Team Jefferson. We're going to start with Lisa Blatt. Lisa Blatt, heads up. Come on up, Lisa. Lisa Blatt, heads up. Arnold and Porter's appellate in Supreme Court practice. You know, someone recently just said that, that sometimes a superstar is just a superstar, and Lisa <laughs> is a superstar among superstars. Uh, she has argued more cases at the Supreme Court than uh, any other woman, and even more impressive, she has won 94% of her cases, which is a remarkable record. Welcome, Lisa. Next up, we have Ian Gershengorn. Ian heads up General and Block Supreme Court practice and, and has uh, held such, uh, such, such fantastic positions as acting Solicitor General of the United States for the Obama administration and with uh, tw- over 12 oral arguments under his, uh, under his belt is ready to compete today. 
Welcome, Ian. And last but definitely not least, Charles Rothfeld. Charles is special counsel at Mayor Brown. He's worked on over 200 Supreme Court cases in his career, and he's often hailed as someone who's 12 moves ahead of everybody else. And he literally wrote the book on federal appellate practice, and I brought it for him to sign. Welcome, Charles. <laughs> All right, and for Team Madison, why don't you guys come on out? Team Madison. <laughs> come on down. <laughs> Here they come. <laughs> so first up, <laughs> he's got he's to charge his phone. <laughs> Coming up, we've got John Elwood. He is a partner at Vincent and Elkins and an author of the always enjoyable Relist Watch for SCOTUS blog. Welcome, John. <laughs> Next up, we have Paul Larkin. He's Heritage's resident Supreme Court expert. While he spends his days cranking out law review articles on everything from economic liberties to prisoner, uh, prisoner dog rehabilitation programs, Paul once served in the Solicitor General's office and argued dozens of cases at the Supreme Court. Welcome, Paul. And rounding out Team Madison is Kevin Marshall, a partner at Jones Day, one of the only ones left around after Don McGahn raided the place for judges, and a former Bush administration lawyer. Welcome, Kevin. So keeping score for us tonight is Madison, no affiliation with Team Madison, from the National Constitution Center. We'll check in with her throughout to see how the teams are doing. And so now for the ground rules. We'll flip a coin, a very special coin that Sheldon brought, to determine which team starts. Then we'll alternate reading questions by team. Team members may briefly confer with one another before answering. If the team whose turn it is answers incorrectly or doesn't know the answer, the opposing team may spe uh, steal the question. Regardless of whether the opposing team gets it right or not, they get the next question, and so on. Each question is worth one point, uh, each answer is worth one point, and there will be six rounds of questions. The final round will be a rapid response round with 10 questions per team. In the event of a tie, we'll do another rapid response round until we have a winner. Uh, the team that lost the coin flip that uh, will, will go first at the, at the very last question, so we have an even distribution of questions for both teams. And at the end of an hour, one team will be named the victors and awarded the Supreme Trivia Champion gavels that you see here on stage. So with that, let's toss the coin and get started. All right. So uh, this coin has Chief Justice John Marshall on one side and the Supreme Court on the other. So it only seems appropriate that if it comes up, Marshall, Marbury, or Madison wins. Um, so with that, we will toss the coin. And it does come up Marshall, so Madison goes first. All right. All right, are you ready? Of course. Okay, first question. <laughs> and this is from the category Supreme Quotes. Which justice wrote that three generations of imbeciles are enough? Holmes, Buck versus Bell. That is correct. That's Ooh. one point for Team Madison. Gave me the case for bonus points. All right. <laughs> no fin sights. Don't want to show off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Team Jefferson. In which case did Justice Antonin Scalia call the majority's reasoning "quote pure applesauce"? It's the applesauce case. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Say, Bergefell? Uh, it's King versus Burwell. 
It's there's so many snarky uh, descents. <laughs> <Yeah>. All, right. <laughs> All right, next question for Team Madison: Which justice pop popularized the phrase "I know it when I see it"? Potter Stewart. That is correct. And do you know what the context was? Uh, it's do you want uh, details? obscenity. <laughs> and what is it like? Uh, it's like Janice Yellow or whatever the heck versus. Yeah, we don't need the case. Yeah. Yeah, I don't these, remember that. Do you want the R or the X-rated answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a, a point for Team Madison. Next question for Team Jefferson. Which justice is credited with coining the phrase the right to privacy in an 1890 Law Review article? The right to privacy. Brandeis. Brandeis, that's correct. Very good. We got to celebrate All the right. victories when they Team come. Team Madison, <laughs> which Chief Justice coined the phrase "evolving standards of decency," which has become a touchstone for the court's Eighth Amendment jurisprudence? <laughs> We'll go with Earl Warren. That is correct. <laughs> Point for Team Madison. Very good. All right. Um, though this is a this is a particularly heavy question. Which Chief Justice? <laughs> Presidents come and go, but the Supreme Court goes on forever. That was a. Someone told me this clue. was a rap trivia. <laughs> 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 Leading question. It's a, it's a hefty question. It's a hefty question. Taft. Come on. Taft. Taft. That's right, William Howard Taft, who, of course, was President Andrew. <laughs> Next question. Last term, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that the infamous Korematsu decision had been overruled in the court of history. A similar phrase appeared in a 1965 dissenting opinion in a Sherman Antitrust Act case. Who wrote this? And I can give you a hint. It's a justice that later left the court to become an ambassador. Goldberg. Yeah. Arthur Goldberg. Uh, Arthur Goldberg. And was the hint too much? That's correct. All right. Uh, all right, Team Jefferson. Which long-serving justice argued in a dissent that just as a corporation is considered a person before the courts, quote, so it should be as respect groves of trees, swamplands, or even air? Which justice says that air can file a lawsuit? Go, <laughs> Justice Douglas. Justice Douglas is correct. Very good. The case is Sierra Club versus Morton. About a year. All right. Next question for Team Madison. Which staunch defender of democracy and a restrained judiciary declared, "If the people want to go to hell, I will help them with it." Uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes. That is correct. That concludes the first category, and we will now move on to before they were justices. So this category is before they were justices. Um, all right, the first question is about Byron Wizard White took a leave of absence during law school to play professional football. What team did Byron Wizard White play for? Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions is correct. Very good. He earned $15,000 per season. Pretty impressive. 
Okay, next up. Which future justice fought to have the first ritual bat mitzvah in her synagogue, arguing it was, quote, no less important than the ritual bar mitzvah for Kagan. boys? Kagan. <laughs> that is correct. And at the ceremony, she read from the book of Ruth. That's another point for Team Madison. Okay, here we go. All right, Team Jefferson. On Wikipedia. Jefferson, this one's for you. Which future great chief justice married the daughter of Thomas Jefferson's lost love, Rebecca Burwell, much to the dismay of Jefferson, who was this chief justice. This is, this is King versus Burwell again? <laughs> we'll go with Marshall. That's correct, Chief Justice John Marshall. Very good. You know, when, when John Marshall popped the question to Polly, his love, she was so shocked that she ran off without answering him. And then finally sent a lock of her hair back to him with a yes answer, which is uh, in fact still on display in Richmond. So the answer is Chief Justice John Marshall. And that's what you did, right? Hey, Team Madison, which future justice worked as a page in the California legislature and played alongside the children of then Governor Earl Warren, who also went on to serve on the Supreme Court? Uh, my former employer, Anthony McLeod Kennedy. That is correct. Very good. <laughs> Explains a lot. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, now, here we go. Which future Chief Justice was responsible for adding "In God We Trust" to U.S. currency? Yeah. Now you need to be civil about this one. I think there's something fishy about this question. Oh come on. <laughs> Chase. That's right, Justice <laughs> Salmon Chase, who served as the Treasury Secretary before his appointment to the Supreme Court. Very good. Which future justice, who has a reputation as being somewhat absent-minded, was in a bicycle accident shortly before his interview with the President for a seat on the Supreme Court? Steve Breyer. That's correct. And unfortunately for Justice Breyer, at that time, the seat went to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But the following year, President Clinton would tap him for another vacancy. All right. Uh, when he was a child, which future justice and lifelong Chicago Cubs fan attended the 1932 World Series game where Babe Ruth hit the famed called shot home run? And he has the scorecard in his office still. It's Justice Stevens. That's right, Justice John Paul Stevens. Very good. Excellent. And he attended the 2016 World Series uh, and rooted for his beloved Chicago Cubs. Okay, we're now moving to the next category, presidents and justices, but let's do a quick check-in with our score keeper. <laughs> Eight to seven, it's a close game. All right, are you ready? In reference to Chief Justice Earl Warren and Justice William Brennan, which president said, I made two mistakes as president and both of them are sitting on the Supreme Court? Eisenhower. That is correct. A point for Team Madison. Okay, this one may or may not be apocryphal, uh, but which president said, quote, John Marshall has made his decision, now let him enforce it, in reference to an opinion holding that Georgia had no constitutional authority to regulate persons visiting Cherokee lands. Jackson. President Jackson. President Jackson, that's right, very good. Cases Worcester versus Georgia. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which president, in a weekly chat, 
announced his plan to bring constant flow of new and younger blood into the judiciary. Uh, for lack of a better answer, we'll go with FDR. That is correct. He said this in one of his fireside chats discussing his court packing plan. Okay, which president, known for his hardball tactics as a senator, manufactured a Supreme Court vacancy by nominating the son of one of the justices to be attorney general? Johnson? That's right, Lyndon Johnson. He successfully persuaded Justice Tom Clark to retire after nominating his son, Ramsey Clark, to be the attorney general. All right, next question. Which president, generally regarded as one of the least effective presidents, holds the record for the most failed <laughs> Supreme Court nominations? Adams. Fillmore. That is incorrect. <laughs> Team Jefferson, would you like to steal the question? Cannon? That is incorrect. It's John Tyler with eight nominations that either were rejected by the Senate or otherwise withdrawn. And this was in a year and a half. Christmas <laughs> 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 time. <laughs> okay, next question uh, goes back to Team Jefferson. All right, Team Jefferson. Which future justice asked his uncle, the president, for the coveted job of U.S. Attorney for Virginia? only to have his uncle turn him down because he was opposed to nepotism. Future justice. President whose nephew became justice. And he's got quite a name. Okay, good. Oh, Washington. That's right, Bushrod Washington. Very good. Uh, according wow. to former Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, Bushrod Washington couldn't persuade his uncle, President George Washington, to name him the U.S. Attorney for Virginia. But Bushrod turned out okay. Just a year after President Washington left office, President John Adams nominated the 36-year-old Bushrod Washington to the Supreme Court. All right, and next we're moving to a new category, Supreme Scandals. Let's first check in with Madison. We have a tie. We have a tie. All right. Team Madison, are you ready? This is the best category. <laughs> I'm excited. Who is the only justice to resign under threat of impeachment? Oh, I didn't put the question up. That is correct. After it came to light that he had accepted a bribe in exchange for seeking a presidential pardon for a former client who was faced with securities fraud charges. All right. Um, which justice killed a man in a duel? Which justice killed a man in a duel? In fairness, there are actually two possible answers here. So either way. Surprising one. though it may be, there are two. Yes. <laughs> 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 Maybe we should go with that as our <laughs> I think go with your first instinct at this point. Marshall. Marshall. I'm sorry, it's not Marshall. Um, so there are two. Oh, let's okay. see if hey, Team oh, Madison wait, 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 wants to go. steal. Team Madison? Our first answer is Stephen Field. 
No. <laughs> Can we give another one? <laughs> why not? Livingston? That that's, is that's correct. Cool. That okay. is correct. Should I, we give them half a so point? So feel that uh, wasn't a duel? Is that the idea? It's friendly in all, but not that bad. <laughs> yeah, that's... So why don't you share what, what happened in the two duels? So with Justice Henry Brockholtz Livingston, he was punched in the nose by an angry Federalist, and so he killed the man in a duel in 1798 in Weehawken, New Jersey, the same place where Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton. So that's uh, justice number one. The other justice who killed a man in a duel is Justice Peter Vivian Daniel, who killed a businessman, John Seddon, in a duel in Maryland in 1803, about 30 years before he joined the Supreme Court. And it didn't kill his nomination. Didn't even come up Okay, so now the question, whose, whose question is it? It goes to Team Madison. <laughs> Okay, which future justice tipped off the FBI about attempts by communists to infiltrate the civil rights organization he headed up? Yeah. Thurgood Marshall? That is correct. He ran the NAACP's legal defense fund. All right, which justice was a vocal anti-Semite and would leave the room when his colleague and first Jewish justice, Louis Brandeis, would speak? Justice McReynolds? That's correct, Justice McReynolds. He's not a nice guy. Um, and, uh, and apparently none of his Supreme Court colleagues attended his funeral. Shocker. <laughs> oh, good for them. All right, next question for Team Madison. Which justice weathered four impeachment attempts and as many wives during his 36 years on the Supreme Court? The one, the only, William O. Douglas. That is right, Wild Bill William O. Douglas. And you know, I think we could have filled an entire category just with his scandals. <laughs> there are entire books written about him on this topic. All right, uh, this is another rather violent one, but at least the justice is on the receiving end and not killing someone this time. Which justice was attacked on a train by California Supreme Court Justice David Terry after ruling against Terry's wife's suit for divorce from her first husband. Now, I'm gonna give you a This is the longest serving justice who was nominated by, by Lincoln. Is this O'Connor? <laughs> no, I don't, I mean, I don't know what century that was. The 12th. <laughs> and Paul was there. I'll have to pass. Okay. Team Madison. That one is Field. That is correct. It's Stephen Johnson Field. <laughs> Until we get it. It's yeah. all Field. <laughs> I knew you were waiting for him to, uh, to appear. Okay. Team Madison. Which infamous justice had an equally infamous father who drunkenly murdered a neighbor and fled from Maryland to Virginia to escape conviction? Gonna need an answer. I think, I think they're filibustering. 
you'd like to go ahead this is a shot in the dark james wilson that is not correct so team jefferson justice tony that is correct oh. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah you know he can't really blame his dad for being the one to sully the family name though <laughs> so um all right so this goes back to team jefferson team jefferson okay which justice's nomination was marred by allegations of cronyism leading to the narrowest confirmation vote 24 to 23 in supreme court history so far at least um he's he's known for writing uh yikwo versus hopkins closest vote that's about the only thing i know about this justice is yikwo yeah well now this too and this too yeah no other justice has been confirmed by just one vote so far. Any guesses? Okay. Stephen Matthews. Mm. I don't know if we can give that to them. I think that's pretty close, though. It's, it's pretty close. Stanley it's Stanley Matthews. Matthews Okay, they get the no, point. No one should know his name, so that's good. <laughs> okay, Team Madison. Which justice skipped oral uh, oral arguments to deal with creditors and ended up in debtor's prison twice while serving on the Supreme Court? <laughs> and I'll give you a hint. He was one of the original six justices. Who's that? Two. This is us. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, Team. Team oh, okay, you. James. I'll get the first name right this time. Wilson. That is correct. Point right. for Team Madison. Okay. Well, you know the current people are boring compared to this. They really, <laughs> they really are. Oh, well, we've got our baseball tickets these days. All right. <laughs> which justice was nicknamed Old Bacon Face, which will become my new oh favorite? My God. Perhaps because his face would become so red when making fiery speeches against his political opponent opponents during the contentious 1800 election. He's on the bench. And he's making fun of his political opponents during that election. He did. Old okay. bacon face. Should we give them a hint? We can give you yes, a hint. Yes, you should. <laughs> he's he's later impeached. Oh. So he's. Rutland? It was not Rutledge, but Rutledge is always a good guess when there's a scandal. So. <laughs> Douglas, no. Uh, Team Madison, would you like to steal? Sure. Samuel Chase? That is correct. It is Samuel Chase. All right. Next question. Oh, and we are moving to a new category, Name That Chief Justice. So first, let's check in with Madison to see. Madison is winning. <laughs> Madison is winning. It's it's 17 to 12, so what? still a pretty close game. All right, we're so back at Field and Douglas, Douglas now, right? Oh no, no, we stole. They stole. They stole. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Next question. Sandra Day O'Connor attended law school with this future colleague, uh, Supreme Court colleague, and they briefly dated. Rehnquist. That is correct. They both attended Stanford Law School. I have to admit, this one's a little harder than the last one. <laughs> this was one of yours, Sheldon. Yeah. So the 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 really 
easy questions are from me. I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> um, Not true. <laughs> which justice and future chief justice resigned in 1916 after he was nominated as the Republican Party's candidate for president in a surprising third ballot of the National Convention? Charles Evans Hughes. That is correct. Very that is good. Correct. He, uh, he obviously lost to Woodrow Wilson in, the, Wilson in the national election, but he later returned as Chief Justice about 16 years later. Okay, next question for Team Madison. Which early Chief Justice resigned and later turned down a second chance to be Chief Justice after the Senate had already confirmed him? <laughs> We're going to need an answer. Can, can we call a lifeline? <laughs> mm, I don't think so. Jay. That is correct. It was John Jay, our very first Chief Justice. He resigned when he was elected governor of New York, and six years later, President Adams nominated him a second time, but he declined the appointment. <laughs> And Adams went on to select John Marshall to be the Chief Justice. All right, Team Jefferson. A majority of the current justices today are Catholic, but in history, there have only been 13 Catholic justices. This infamous Chief Justice was the first. This is the second time the word infamous has been used in competition. I guess so. We'll go with Tawny that's right, it's Tawny, uh, best known today for writing uh, Dred Scott versus Sanford. Next question. Which Chief Justice, appointed by Nixon, founded the Supreme Court Historical Society in 1974 and served as the honorary chairman until his death? To quote uh, Homer Simpson, mmm, burger. <laughs> <laughs> That is correct. It was Chief Justice Warren Berger. There are no bonus points for quoting Homer, though. <laughs> All right. Um, Team Jefferson, after learning the Senate had rejected his nomination to Chief Justice, which sitting justice threw himself into the Charleston Bay only to be saved by two slaves? Tried to kill himself. He was so despondent. He was having a bad, a bad week. He was having a bad week. It's it was, it was not a good week for him. I can give you a hint. Um, his nomination failed after he referred to the Jay Treaty as, quote, prostitution. Didn't go over well with the people who were supporting the Jay Treaty. And he's the first presidential nominee ever to be rejected by the Senate in any capacity. Lisa should answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the Arnold Porter and Fortis question. <laughs> we'll say so Rutledge. I'm at this point, check that. Rutledge is correct. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Team Madison, next question. Which Chief Justice granted the motion of the first African-American attorney to be admitted to the Supreme Court bar? And this was the same day President Lincoln signed the 13th Amendment. Morrison Waite. That is incorrect. 
Dump. Team Jefferson, would you like to steal? In theory, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to. I'll give you a hint. In his private notes, <laughs> when he, when he um, granted the motion, his private notes called uh, John Rock's admission progress exclamation mark. Simon Chase? That is correct. Very good. Well done. Definitely not Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Tony. <laughs> All right. So now it's back to Team Jefferson. Okay. Which Chief Justice, a Wisconsin native, is credited with the Supreme Court's dogged insistence to remain open for business on snow days, even when most other federal offices have shut down? I think it's Rehnquist. That is correct. Yeah, I endured that. <clears throat> Another point for Team no, Jefferson. All right. <laughs> okay. Jefferson has closed the gap pretty much. And at this point, we're going to enter the final round of SCOTUS Simplified Rapid Response Round. But first, let's check on the score. We've got 20 to 17. Okay, so with this round, we ended with Team Jefferson. So we'll go back to Team Madison. I think Madison just, no, Jefferson just won. We just won, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so now we're going to uh, give you simple, simplified headlines for Supreme Court decisions. And you'll have uh, a brief amount of time to tell us the name of that case. Are you ready? Each team gets 10 questions. Team Madison, are you ready? As ready as we will ever be. First question. You still get to confer? Yes, you can confer briefly. You can confer. <laughs> Tomatoes are vegetables. If you want to pass, that's fine. Or dissent. <laughs> or dissent. <laughs> yeah, we'll pass that one. Okay, next. Women can be cadets. Oh, BMI. Yeah. That is correct. Next question. I feel like we need a ding. BMI, right? <laughs> Madison, can you ding for us? <laughs> uh, next question. Mr. Rogers helped save the Betamax. Sony. Sony. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's yeah. good enough. Sony Corp versus Universal City Studios. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no unemployment benefits for peyote smoker. Employment division versus Smith. That is correct. Forced sterilization is okay. Dog versus, versus Bell. <laughs> that is correct. Always. Man becomes president. Bush versus Gore? Yeah. That is correct. Burglar gets a lawyer. Oh, Gideon versus, versus Wainwright. Wainwright. Yeah. That's Gideon. correct. Ding, ding. <laughs> no selling skim milk filled with coconut water. Oh, the Minnesota Carolyn case. Products. Yes, Carolyn products. That is correct. Next, it's okay for Amish teens to be truant. Wisconsin versus Yoder. Thank you. That is correct. And your final question, poisoning your husband's lover, not an international arms violation. Bond. That is correct. Now, do you want to circle back to tomatoes are vegetables? We're still passing on that one. 
Not a clue. Okay. Should well, we great. that to them to try and answer it if they want? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Great job, Team Madison. And now it's time for Team Jeff Jefferson's lightning round. But before we begin, do you know which case the court decided that tomatoes are vegetables? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> case is Nix versus Head, and it was about customs regulations. Still don't know it. From the 1890s. Look it up. It's a good one. All right. Um, uh, ethnic French butchers lose their jobs. Butchers unemployed. Why were they ethnic? It's just a little flavor to the to the. It has a generic name. Multi-generational French families, immigrant families to this part of the country. Okay. All right, uh, steamboat inventor loses monopoly. Steamboat inventor loses monopoly. I'm trying to think if there's a good hint for that one. I, I don't. Just skip. All right. All right. Well, we'll go straight to the next one, which is totally different. Porn magazine can mock preacher. Personal versus full that is correct. <laughs> and we'll switch from porn magazines to religious groups. Uh, religious group can sacrifice chickens. Religious group can sacrifice chickens. It's the Florida. Is it, is it Santeria? They are Santeria. I think that's close enough. Uh, it's hard. It's the Church of the Lukumi Babalu Kai, which is, rolls off the tongue. Versus the city of Hylia, Florida. Very good. All right. The Air Force has to pay for scaring chickens to death. This is an actual takings case. This sounds like Lisa should know the answer. Did they get credited with a point for the uh, chicken chicken slaughter? Okay, good. <laughs> right. we, you had other butchers. We got two butcher categories here. Um, now we've got chickens again. All right. Um, okay. Rock band gets a trademark. Tam. That's right. Okay. We've we've done butchers and now we're bakers. Bakers can work all day long. Bakers get to work long hours. Lochner. Lochner, very good. Correct. Uh, German saboteurs are dead. <laughs> That's <accurate. laughs> You're very good. Correct. That was, I, I wasn't sure if anybody was going to get that one. That's great. Right. Um, school children don't have to salute the flag. Little children do not have to salute the flag. It's a pair of sisters, if that helps at all. Yeah. Um, we, we all know what it is. We're, we're all universally blanking on the name of the case. If, so. if you can give me some of the. It's two sisters. <laughs> they share a last name with a pretty well-known law professor 
from around town. Here libertarian law professor. Libertarian law professor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the hint. <laughs> All right. Uh, president can't take over a steel mill. President can't take over a steel mill. Youngstown. Youngstown. That's right. Correct. All right. All right. Let's check in with the scorekeeper. Not too shabby. Well, we have enough time for one final round of SCOTUS Simplified. So we'll go back to Team Madison with just four questions. And then, <laughs> and then you get your, your, your drink. <laughs> they asked if they could have beer on stage. I said no. OK, first question. Team Madison, are you ready? You betcha. What's our category? Uh, this is SCOTUS Simplified. Uh, more, of, more of the same. And I think Sheldon wrote these ones because they look kind of hard. <laughs> Bill of Rights don't apply to the territory of Hawaii. And that's a hint for half of the one side of the caption. The insular cases? Is that what they're, are they referred to as such? No. no? This one is not insular cases. Okay. Sorry. Next question. Religious group can't pamphleteer in the airport. Iskon. Oh, it is Iskon. Iskon, yeah. International Society of Krishna Consciousness. Yes. Yes. International Krishna Consciousness, whatever. Yeah, that, that's correct. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, no prayer at high school graduation. Lee versus Wiseman. You should be the one to answer that. Yeah, exactly. My curse. Lee versus Wiseman. <laughs> That's correct. And final question. Their interracial marriage is not a crime. Loving versus Virginia. That is correct. Good job, Team Madison. Now back over to Team Jefferson. Done? Done. Final questions. State can ban women from practicing law. The state can ban women from practicing law. Pairs well with the slaughterhouse cases. How do you know that? It's a curse. Bradwell? That's true. Bradwell! Ding, 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 ding! Excellent. All right. Um, college trustees take back control of their school. College trustees take back control of their school. Uh, is that Dart Dartmouth? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Dartmouth College versus Woodward. Okay. Um, Minnesota can't shut down a scandalous newspaper. No shutting down a scandalous newspaper for Minnesota. Yeah. And I believe this was the case where the court incorporated the First Amendment? Free press clause, I believe. We'll have to fact check that. No, it wasn't. Can you get Just close? give us a little bit. <laughs> State of Minnesota. There you go. <laughs> is it far away or is it? Close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're slow even with the hints. Okay. Uh, no school prayers. 
We have a hint. We've got a bunch of Jews here, I think. So. Uh, <laughs> I said, we're praying now, but it's not working. <laughs> I don't have a hint for this one. That one's Engel versus Vitaly. All right, and with that, we've come to the end of our second round of SCOTUS Simplified. Let's check in with Madison to see which team. Team Madison is still in the lead with 32. Well, I'd say that's a pretty respectable score for both teams, and that concludes our first ever and possibly last ever <laughs> Supreme Trivia here at the Heritage Foundation. The audio from our Supreme Trivia event got cut off at the end, but the final score was 32 to 27 with Team Madison winning. So I hope you all enjoyed listening. Thanks for listening to SCOTUS 101. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please leave us a rating if you enjoy listening. Please follow us on Twitter at SCOTUS 101, and you can email us at scotus101 at heritage.org with questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes. You've been listening to SCOTUS 101, executive produced by Elizabeth Slattery, sound design by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit heritage.org. Looking for a short morning podcast to give you the news of the day without liberal bias? The Daily Signal podcast is a rundown of the top stories you need to know that the mainstream media is probably ignoring. 